Many of you might know this, maybe not all of you. I am a Cincinnati Reds fan, and I'm aware it's been a bad couple of decades for Reds and Reds fans. You don't have to tell me that after the service, I know that. But when I became a parent, I realized that I had these little people that I could influence powerfully my way. So when my daughter was about three months old and I took her to our favorite photographer for her first big photo shoot, here's how I dressed her. She had her reds bear, she had her little outfit that a friend purchased on eBay, and um, I was off and running. And then I had my boys and I began to take my work even more seriously. And back a couple of winters ago, we had that December that was just one big blizzard and I was trapped at home for a long time with three little people and not a whole lot to do. So I got my Cincinnati Reds Joe Morgan bobblehead doll and I would follow my kids around and I would say, can you say Joe Morgan? Oh, say second base. And I was trying to teach my kids the way they should go. So in the spring, I had them loaded in our triple stroller, and I was out walking in the neighborhood, and a neighbor whose name happens to be Joe went by walking his dog, and as he passed, I said, Hi, Joe. And when he was out of earshot, my daughter said, Oh, Mommy, was that Joe Morgan? Train up a child in the way she should go. Just last month, I took my daughter to her first baseball game. And before we left, here's how she was dressed. She had Hello Kitty pants on. It was cute as anything. And um, it was a Kaiser Volcanoes game, but she was wearing Joe Morgan's number on her back. It's amazing How much effort, how much energy, how much creativity we'll put into things that are important to us, isn't it? You don't have to raise your hand, but anyone here hope your child's first word was beaver or duck? (laughs) Now, if you were here and Buckeye was their first word, raise your hand and shout it out proudly. That's okay. We, We come together this weekend and we continue on in our series, Vintage Family. We're looking at things that are of the utmost importance to family, but also very important to all of us in the body of Christ. Our topic today, spiritual conversations. These are things like a small child coming into the kitchen while the mom is fixing dinner and out of nowhere posing the question, did Jesus really die for me? Or maybe it's a group of high school students sitting around and they're just honestly processing why would God allow their friend's brother to die? Or maybe it's a a young college woman being lovingly confronted about issues of purity. These things that we who walk with God would want to handle biblically. These important spiritual conversations. One thing I would ask you would hear me clearly. You don't have to have children for this to mean something to you today. The most influential mentor in my whole life is a woman who is now 94 years old. She never married and she never had physical children. 
but her offspring are all over the planet because of the courage she had to engage. Spiritual conversations, God's design for how we are to pass on the faith. Deuteronomy chapter 6, page 178 in your pew Bible. The people of Israel were slaves in Egypt, and God rescued them. They're, they're out in the wilderness. The Ten Commandments have been given. God's desire for them is being expressed through life. And we begin in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey." just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. The people of Israel are preparing to go into their new land. They'll be establishing their way of life for generations to come. And God's message to them through Moses, pay attention. God's instructions are important. Listen, and it will go well with you. Obey God. It's for your best. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Hear this. Moses says to the people, the Lord is totally unique. He alone is God. The people of Israel could live life with a sense of security. Their neighbors, the other nations around them, had this awful multitude of gods. Maybe you would please one of those gods and inadvertently that would invoke the wrath of one of the other gods. But not so for the people of Israel. The God of the Bible, the one true God, presented himself consistently to them over and over again. He wasn't playing games with his people. He was lovingly presenting himself to them. Listen was God's message. I want it to go well for you. God loved them and he wanted their love in return. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The instructions that God gave to the people weren't for a rule book. They weren't for a to-do list. But this instruction was to be on their heart. The instruction was given in love and was to be received in that context. They're at the core of who you are as a person. Have them on your hearts. Why, maybe was the natural question. So you can teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you go out, when you lie down and when you get up. 
In the verses that follow, there's this picture. When, when you go into the promised land, when you move into the home you didn't build, when you drink from the well you didn't dig, and when you eat from the vineyard you didn't plant, plan ahead to never forget God as you do life. And then verse 20. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible, upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law... Before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. When your son asks, not if, but when your child asks, you don't need to make yourself out to be anything that you're not. You were simply a slave in Egypt, and God rescued you. That was to be the story these people would have to tell. Deuteronomy 11, just a few pages over, almost the same message given again, beginning in verse 1. Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and his commands always. But here's a bit different. Verse 2, remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, his majesty, his mighty hand, his outstretched arm. The signs he performed and the things he did in the heart of Egypt, both to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his whole country. Verse 5, it was not your children who saw what he did for you in the desert until you arrived at this place. Verse 7, but it was your own eyes that saw all these great things the Lord has done. God sent you to school in Egypt. He sent you to school in the desert. They were difficult places to get educated, but there are now vital lessons from your history, and if you don't tell your children, they won't ever hear them. This message is to the people of Israel. There are obvious points of advice for those of us who are parents, but also there's a connect for every one of us in the body of Christ. This is Old Testament. Everything about how God worked through his people was tribe, the tribe, the descendants of Jacob, the people of Israel. It's Old Covenant. The righteousness came through perfect obedience to the law. Your failure to do that resulted in the death of innocent animals. But you and I come to the text from a New Covenant perspective. Jesus is our righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Tribe is still important. We know if we abandon our families, we're wrong. But we've been made into this new tribe, this body of Christ 
tribe. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Make no mistake, there is specific biblical instruction to parents about their children. But in Christ, we've been ushered into something that's much bigger than ourselves, much bigger than the Garlinger family or the Jones family or the Smith family. We're being challenged to engage in this spiritual conversation that will pass on the faith to the next generation. What might it be like for a person who would engage in this conversation? The person that will initiate a spiritual conversation first and foremost, will trust God. This person will trust God for the outcome of the conversation. Only God could bring anything good out of me engaging with my children or with any of you in a conversation of substance. When when we trust God in this, We look to him to show us, when do I speak? When do I listen? When do I bring up a particular topic? We begin to pay close attention to be sure it is the Spirit of God nudging us. Secondly, the person who initiates a spiritual conversation will have God's word on their heart. When we take this seriously, you and I will be in God's word. We'll be realistic to know that unless he is forming things in us, unless he's forming his own stuff in us, we won't have anything to offer. And the person who initiates a spiritual conversation will tell others about God in a humble way yet a bold way. These conversations were never intended to be burdensome to us. They were to flow out of who we are. When we converse humbly, we're like the people of Israel. I desperately needed a Savior, and Jesus saved me. We humbly tell our story. We humbly respond. And if we don't know the answer, saying, I don't know, is a-okay. Maybe the person you're engaged with, whether it's your child or someone else, maybe the two of you together could investigate to try and figure out what God would have to speak to that subject. (laughs) The Israelites were slaves in Egypt. God rescued them. I needed a savior. He saved me. Yes, we speak humbly, and yet we speak boldly. The truth of Deuteronomy chapter 11 is that you have seen things that your children didn't see. We have experienced things that those coming along behind us haven't seen, and if we don't speak up and speak them, those coming along behind may never learn them. I would be the first to say that I am a rookie parent. My oldest child is five. My 
She was here last night, and for the first time in her life, she heard me speak. And I would be the first to say that I know anything we as parents say can and will be used against us. <laughs> but parents, we are the single most important conduit through which the things of God can flow into our children. And kids, there are many, many things you'll never know if you don't talk with your parents about them. Kids, your parents aren't perfect. They won't always explain things in just the right way. But trust God and be patient with them. Last night when I was tucking my daughter in, I said to her, well, what did you think of what you saw mommy do? And she was like, oh, you were perfect. You were the greatest preacher I've ever seen. And I said, well, thanks. Um, what, what did you get from the message? And she thought for a couple of minutes, and, well, I didn't really understand anything you were talking about. <laughs> Kids, be patient with us. Just because we're grown-ups doesn't mean we're going to tell it just in a way that makes sense all the time. And yet we must. We must step forward and tell what, what could it look like? What could it look like, maybe in your home, to engage in this way? Maybe you think ahead of time of a topic that you're going to bring up at dinner. Or maybe you'll bring it up in the car as you're driving to soccer practice. Maybe it's as you're tucking your child into bed, you'll read a quick Bible story and talk about it. For some parents, it might be just simply asking the child, what would you like to talk about? Maybe a place to start would be after church. You just don't go right home, but you stop for lunch or breakfast or coffee or ice cream or whatever, and you talk about what just happened at church before you move on and too much time passes. One thing that a parent could do would just be to open themselves up and say to the kid, feel free to ask me at any time what I'm learning from God's word. I would imagine there would be nothing like the fear that that would put into us to keep us going back to God's word day by day for fear of little short people confronting us that way. For each family, it's going to look different. For each one of us, it will look different. There's no cookie cutter mold. But hear this. My husband spent more than a year in the former Soviet Union, not long after the Iron Curtain fell. Almost 70 years of communism attempting to squish out the faith. And Nick will tell of person after person after person who gave the report, my grandmother kept the faith alive in our family. My grandmother told the truth. She didn't even have her Bible. But my grandmother kept this alive. When we're going to engage in this way, it's so important that we ask God to prepare us ahead of time. At my house, you never know what you're going to get into. My daughter actually wound up praying to receive Christ because someone left a cabinet open 
She got into it, grabbed a Veggie Tail movie she had never seen before. We watched it. There was this scary character in it that she just couldn't settle down after she saw the movie. And as we talked and as we processed, it became clear to me God was using it to draw her to salvation. It had nothing to do with me. I was simply the mommy. Sometimes these occasions or these questions come up in really crazy ways. Again, at my house, you can hear, how did the chocolate get inside these M&Ms? And then, boom, right after that, some deep question of God. And then we're on to, when can we get more tater tots at Sonic? We need to be ready. We need to just keep asking God to prepare us. This past January, my daughter and I were going to go to North Carolina for a wedding, and it would be the first wedding Sarah had ever attended. I was doing dishes one night, and I overheard my husband talking with her. He was telling her about marriage. He was telling her what a wedding is. She had never been to one. I heard him explain that God intends marriage to be a lifelong commitment. And I heard Sarah say, oh, Daddy, I agree with you completely. My teacher always says you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. (laughs) Now, her teacher wasn't talking about marriage, but she and her daddy were. And Nick just took what God had already put on his heart. He delivered it in an age-appropriate way. And there will be further conversations down the road that we'll have with her about marriage. But it's a start. It's a way to begin. There is no manual that tells us how to do this. The Bible just says, love God. Have his word on your heart. And teach it to your children. What about when a family faces difficulty? I spoke with a woman who described the situation in their family. Her husband had lost his job. Ultimately, they had to move hundreds of miles away to another state. And her 16- and 17-year-old daughters were struggling spiritually. Actually, the whole family was struggling. What are we to do at a time like that? We take those topics, those things that are part of our lives, and we get them into the conversation. And we interact. We engage. And we look at what might God be teaching us? What is there for us to learn? Another family I know, the dad took every Monday and he prayed and fasted. And his number one purpose was seeking God for the good of his children. He specifically prayed on Mondays that God would place other godly adults across his children's paths. He didn't want it to be just he and his wife. He recognized that there were many spiritual conversations to be had. And he was praying other people into position to have those conversations. We as a church need to hear that clearly. Whether you're currently raising kids in your home or not, together we can become the family of God and we can become fluent in this language of spiritual conversations. We can become a united front passing on the faith to the next generation. I'll be really honest with you in my life at every twist 
And every turn, there's been a conversation. There's been someone, whether it was a family member, a mentor, a friend, someone that has engaged me in a way where I would learn, where I would grow. It would inform my decisions. Now, the person who was courageous enough to talk to me at the time didn't always get a good response. You know, the stiff arm, the rejection, the argument. But it is amazing to look back over my life and see the role that spiritual conversations have played in my development and my progress. And you and I are not alone in this. The Holy Spirit of God indwells us and he's far greater than any other power. He is the one that will bring this to pass. Here at Salem Alliance, week after week, we dive into God's word. We see his prescription. And sometimes we can just focus on how we fall short. If you're here and you feel that you've failed those coming along behind you, I want to tell you it's never too late. And if you're here and you feel that you've been failed, no one has ever invested in you, I would urge you, give the body of Christ another chance. I'm going to close with a story about two men that I know, and I hope that you'll see, yes, there is value in parents taking this role in their children's lives. But I hope you'll also see that there is value in the body of Christ. And I hope you'll become convinced that it's never too late. The first man, a man named Rick, he became a father at a very young age. In 1967, he and his wife had a baby boy, and neither one of them was even yet 20 years old. The baby was precious, very precious. And Rick loved the boy amazingly. He was proud of his son, but Rick was very young and he struggled to know how to engage. His own childhood had been difficult, he didn't know the Lord, and he hadn't a clue what to do. The baby grew into a boy, a very cute boy, a fine boy, but he was not getting any spiritual instruction whatsoever at home. He had a godly grandfather who mentored him in many ways. When his grandfather told him to go out and catch the church bus, he did that. When his grandfather told him to study the Bible or when his grandfather talked with him of spiritual things, he listened intently. Friends from school would invite the boy to church. Neighbors would give him rides. And by God's grace, this boy came to Christ. But his relationship with his earthly father was strained at best. By the time he was 16 years old, there was very little between the two of them. Rick didn't know what to do, and his son didn't know how to ask for the things that he needed. Like people always warn us, the son grew up way too fast, and before Rick knew what had happened, his boy was graduating from high school. Rick wasn't even 40 years old, and he was convinced that his one opportunity to engage with his only child was past. He knew in his heart he had made mistakes, but he had no idea how to make amends for them. Now for the second man in this story. It's my husband, Nick. He's Rick's son. Rick was my father-in-law. Nick would be the first to tell you that growing up wasn't easy, but Nick would also be quick to tell you that others in the body of Christ 
stepped up to the plate. His grandfather, some, someone he met when he was an officer in the Marine Corps, over and over and over, God took care of Nick. But still, Nick longed for what any of us would long for from an earthly father. When I met Nick, he faithfully was praying for his dad. And before we were even dating, Nick was going to go to visit his dad, and he asked me and another friend to pray. Well, unbeknownst to Nick, before he ever got to his dad's house, there was a utility worker that showed up to fix the cable or something. That guy, of course engaged Rick in a spiritual conversation, and before the utility truck pulled off my father-in-law's property, he had prayed to receive Christ. Nick showed up to visit his dad, and he was a man who was already changing. The years that followed were incredibly rich ones, many, many spiritual conversations, often at Rick's initiation. I would overhear them talking on the phone. The things they talked about were amazing. Rick apologized for the ways he had failed, and he stepped up, and he engaged. He attempted to be the dad that he probably had always longed to be. Tragically, not quite five years ago, my father-in-law was killed in an accident. Nick lost his dad, and my children lost their grandpops. But his funeral was an amazing thing. A lot of family and friends, about 75 of his co-workers came. And story after story after story was told about this guy who came to Christ later in life having influence, having impact. My my father-in-law died with his boots on. He was engaged to the last. Now, as Nick and I raise our kids, we have this amazing story to tell. We have an incredible spiritual conversation. It's a story of what God has done, a story of redemption, a story of healing, a story that will forever remind us it's never too late. We should never give up. The pain of Nick's childhood was real, but God is greater. God is greater than anyone's failures, and God loves to redeem that which was lost.